This is episode 50 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. And in this episode, uh, Julie and I talk with Nicole Small, a fantastic photographer from Montreal, Canada. And uh, of course, uh, we had a really nice time uh, chatting with her. We missed our other co-host, Suzanne. Um, she couldn't make it, but uh, at least Julie and I had a really nice time uh, talking with Nicole. And Julie and Nicole really have a uh, a real commonality there with a, a pinhole and large format and making cameras. So we hope that you enjoy the show. But before we do that, I do want to uh, talk about just two things or say two things. First, um, Julie and I received a, a really nice package from Brandon Helton. So Brandon, thank you so much, you and your family, for sending us that wonderful package. Uh, it came with a, a two by three, a, a like a baby uh, speed graphic, it's a Bush Pressman, um, along with a number of lenses for that camera, some film for that camera, 2x3 uh, film, Ilford film, uh, some uh, 120 film, as well as a, <laughs> a wonderful roll of 35 millimeter, my favorite, uh, 500T, and I'm looking forward to shooting. Thank you so much, Brandon. In addition, you sent a really cool uh, Minolta Celtic lens. You know, now I've I've shot Minolta lenses before. Um, I you know I have a number of lenses um, from Minolta. Uh, nice 35 millimeter lens that you sent, but I've never used a Celtic. I've heard so much about them. So thank you, uh, Brandon. I'm really looking forward to to using that lens uh, to supplement my <laughs> my love of my 135s. Uh, really looking forward to to subtracting a hundred. And then using that 35. Thank you. Uh, nice classic, classic uh, focal length. All right. Well, the second thing I want to address is something that happened this week, this past week, that kind of shook the film photography community uh, to its core in a positive way. You know, 2022 has been a pretty good year as far as film photography goes. We've had a lot of film stocks. Uh, reintroduced or re-released or introduced into larger formats. Um, and I had an earlier episode about uh, the state of film photography in 2022 back in, I think, February or March. Um, and, you know, since then, an, a, a couple of more films have been released in larger formats, which has been pretty cool. But uh, it, there's been one thing that's kind of been missing, and that's new cameras. And here, here just this this past week, uh, oh, uh, Rico Rico slash Pentax uh, made an announcement that they're investigating and researching with the plan to build film cameras. Now I know you probably heard this, but this is so exciting. Uh, they had their press release. And of course, the president of Rico said this by no means, you know, ba basically said this doesn't mean we're going to build a camera. We all think they're just playing it safe because we know film cameras are complicated machines. But the fact that they're wanting to do this uh, is a real promising sign. And then there are two videos uh, on YouTube. If you just search in, in YouTube, new Pentax film camera, um, two videos that will, will pop up one and, and they're both from Pentax or from Asahi not Asahi but um, uh, Rico 
Uh, one is about a thirty, you know, thirty seconds long, and the other is about seven minutes. And the thirty-second long shows uh, somebody, you know, writing on a or you know, using a, a track, not a track, not a trackpad, but designing basically designing this schematics for uh, a film camera. It looks like an advanced uh, film advanced lever, and then a little bit later in the video shows him actually holding what looks like a an old film camera that's been taken apart or maybe a prototype or you know something uh, pretty interesting little video but then the second one which is about seven minutes long uh, a representative representative from Pentax all in Japanese but with uh, subtitles uh, describes uh, the hows and whys of why they're doing this and uh, their motivations and of course the big motivation is the resurging interest in analog photography, particularly, as he says, among young people. Now, we think about that, the, uh, the Gen Zers and the Millennials um, have really pushed this, this uh, resurgence forward. You look on YouTube and the number of channels that are dedicated to film photography is astounding, but you think about uh, the fact that so many of these channels are made by young people. Not Gen Xers, not old people like us, young people, part of the Gen Z uh, generation or the millennial generation. They're, they're the ones that have this real interest, not that we don't, but they are the ones that are really pushing this forward. And uh, so we can thank them for that. And of course, Pentax is taking notice and, uh, and acting. And of course, they said, you know, they reiterated that, you know, they have every desire to do this, but that doesn't mean that they'll actually be able to. And it's an honest assessment of how difficult of a pro uh, project it is. And so what they've done is they've taken, um, they, they've sought out the, the, the older generation of engineers who worked back in the, in the heyday of film to produce Pentax cameras and to try to bridge them together with the newer generation of engineers to help teach these younger engineers just how to how to build film cameras, the ins and outs and the inner workings of analog photography, analog uh, cameras, um, before that knowledge is lost. So that's promising. Let's let's hope that they they do it. And what they wanted from us um, was to just support them in some way. So I guess in th this respect, uh, this initial announcement on, on my podcast, the Gen X Photography Podcast, is, you know, I'm adding my voice of support to Pentax, and let's hope that they uh, they do it. Um, now, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about what kind of cameras they should produce, but I think my own self, let's just let Pentax decide what they want to build, knowing the difficulty it is, and realize that this is an important step. It's just the start. And later on as if if it's successful and if people buy their products and they work then later on those you know those uh other cameras can start to be built but let's let them start at the basics and and get them going so let's let's support them in a positive way uh now we're going to do a deeper dive into this a little bit later on not not today not in today's podcast but in a future podcast we're going to talk about the implications and t just 2022 in general with a, a future guest but 
Uh, you'll have to wait until, until that podcast to find out. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the uh, episode at hand, episode 50, with our uh, wonderful chat and interview with Nicole Small. Thanks all so much for listening, and now on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Gen X Photography Podcast. This is episode 50, and my oh my, it's great to finally reach that threshold. We're nearly to season number four, um, and that's that's pretty cool. And so I thank everyone who's listened so far, and for all the guests that have been on, thank you again from the bottom of my heart uh, for being part of this podcast. Well, I'm your host, Mario Piper, and today we have with us one of my co-hosts, my wife, Julie Piper. Julie, how's it going? Going good. I'm stoked. Me too, me too. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. Uh, her name is Nicole Small. She's from Montreal, Canada, and uh, she has a lot in common with my wife. So, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. We've got some Facebook questions, uh, Facebook group questions, and of course our questions as well. But before we get into that, I want to just find out how everybody's been doing so far uh, this week. I know we recorded a, a podcast last week, so um, for me, not a lot has changed. But Julie, uh, what's this week been like for you? Well, I am working on an 8x10 camera that Nicole's been being my technical support and um, I have my second partial prototype that I finished this morning. So that's been fun and exciting. It really is. I know uh, just before the uh, the recording session here, you showed me the, the camera with the lens, a couple of different lenses, and looking at the, um, looking through the, the box onto vellum paper. And man, oh man, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> So, well, Nicole, how's you, how have you been? What's your uh, week been going like? I've been doing great. Um, I actually built a 5 by 7 um, not a pinhole camera, but a 5 by 7 camera. I've been kind of looking into that um, aside from my pinhole cameras because I have quite a few that I've made. <laughs> so that was my project for the last few weeks, and I finished it, and I've been exploring with it. Nice, nice. Five by seven is a real interesting aspect ratio, in my opinion. Um, I love math, so five and seven are both primes, so you can't reduce it any further. <laughs> um, and it's just a nice large size, not too large, but nice yes. enough to, to really get a good image. Yes. yes. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, like I said, uh, the past just the uh, seven days since we did the last podcast haven't been too eventful for me, although... Um, for the frugal film project that I'm hoping to be accepted into again, <laughs> I decided that I'm going to shoot an old camera. It's a Kodak Pony 135. Um, and we have a lot of um, Ilford Delta 100. So I'm going to be hopefully shooting that and making use of that little sweet little camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on into the episode. And um, so, 
I know, uh, Julie, you and Nicole have a lot in common as far as your, um, you know, your interest, your, your, you know, particular interest in photography. But before we get into, to, you know, a lot of that stuff, I want to just find out from you, Nicole, um, what is it that got you into photography? Kind of what, or, or I guess, what's your history with photography? I actually was, um, I used to design clothing. Okay? Oh, wow. I, I, I'm very into athletics and I wanted to design women's sportswear. So I started making like little things for myself. And then some friends were like, oh, where'd you get that? And then it kind of grew into something a little bit bigger. But I mean, it didn't really go further than much than friends and family. But at the time, that's what I was doing. Um, and then it just so happened that the idea of helping photographers style their shoots, it just came into my hands. And then I started doing that. And as I was working with photographers, I started to become interested in what they were doing. And it was just, an, you know, just watching. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so interesting. It's so cool how they, you know, they move a light like a few feet away and you get this completely different image from the image that they, sh they shot before. So I was really like, like in interested in that. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I also thought I could learn it and shoot my clothing myself. So that's kind of really how it started. And then as I started to, um, like I, I inquired and I asked some of the photographers I was assisting if they would be able to teach me. And I had one particular photographer who did say, sure, you know, and that's how it started. But it changed from my clothing, it went into portraiture. And then that was it, you know. Um, I didn't start with film, I started, I was, you know, digital, mm -hmm. but um, over time, it just became, I'll be honest, like I started to shoot models from modeling agencies. And I mean, I got a lot of um, hookups through the photographers I had assisted. So it was kind of like an easy transition. Also it de dealt with fashion. And um, it was one day I remember, cause I, you know, Photoshop is something that I really dislike. And if I can avoid it at all costs, I will avoid it. But at the time when I started shooting models, I had to learn Photoshop. And um, so I taught myself, watched videos, you know, whatever I can get my hands on to learn whatever, that's what I did. And it was one day I remember clearly, I had uh, photographed a model and I had did, done some very close up beauty portraits. Um, she didn't really have that great skin, but mind you, I wasn't that experienced also with lighting to say that how I can actually light her in a way that can, you know, minimize things. So I spent, I remember it was a Friday till Sunday, I spent myself in front of Photoshop. Mm. And it was a summer day, summer weekend. And when uh, I got to work the Monday, I realized and I said, I spent my whole weekend in front of a computer. And I'm like, there's gotta be something else to this. And that's when it, it just like, there has to be something else. So I started to like, what else could there be? Cause this is not what's gonna happen again, you know? Mm -hmm. And then just like that, I was like looking through photographs, just Googling different things. And then after I'm like, you know, I wonder if it, you know, I saw stuff on film, but it wasn't really anything I really thought of. And then the next thing you know, hey, it does actually exist. So <laughs> that was the end. So once I realized it existed, I just went all in and I've never turned back since then. Wow. I haven't really picked up a digital camera unless like there are like some 
um, projects where, I mean, I'm not going to shoot a film, but yeah. it's still very rare that I pick up a digital camera to, to do anything. Um, not to say that it's bad to use a digital camera, but ever since I started to get into the analog, it's just been analog. And mm. I love it. I love everything about it. It's Every- infectious, isn't it? It is. And, you know, there's so many different things from one thing what could roll into something else that can roll mm-hmm. into something. It's just there's so many things you can do. And I love yeah. it. I love that, it. I love that. That's so cool. Um, I think of, you know, all all the people that we've had on the on the podcast, almost everyone has had a similar journey in some way where we start off with digital and we, you know, I, I still love to some extent, digital photography, or maybe it, maybe more so. I love the uh, the the cameras. I do love the cameras. I don't have any right now, but I do love the cameras, and they are, uh, you know, they do stem from the analog world. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had their have their roots in it. But uh, man, nothing <laughs> nothing has captured myself, photographically speaking, like analog, like film. You know, it's there's just something magical about it. So. I think it's the it's it's there's there's this there's I don't know there's a, a a feeling or something that just comes over you when you're shooting film because everything is important you know mm-hmm. like everything it, you don't want to just blow through rolls of film you you know you want to make everything count mm-hmm. so because you want to make everything count everything is just so much more intense and exciting yeah you know, and that that's that's just the way that it, i i feel about it and i love the process that you can from beginning to end you can be part of every little thing mm-hmm. you know and i love that i love it it's a a real human thing right yes, yes. <laughs> um yes. the last time we were at our uh, at the camera shop that we go to regularly um julie was already out in the car with our daughter but i was uh, still in the shop for just a few minutes and I was chatting with the the man that uh, runs the shop and we were talking about modern lenses modern you know digital lenses and how perfect and beautiful they are but every one of them is the same because they're designed with computer control you know mm-hmm. whereas you look at some of these older lenses like I have a uh, 50 millimeter Takamar uh, lens um, from you know way back and it has that radioactive rear element yeah so there's you know it's changed over the years it's become yellow and there's something very human about it and that's the what he said too there's just something very human about the old way of doing things because Mm -hmm. everyone was made by a human yes yes (laughs) and it yes goes right through us Mm -hmm. with our processes we're humans and we're doing this so Anyways, well, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, <Thanks for> listening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love hearing all the stories, and yours is awesome. Um, Julie, do you have anything to say? Or let's start with you, Julie, because you, but both of you, uh, Julie and Nicole, you you both have a shared passion with more than what I have, which I'm pretty. I don't want to say stuck. I just adore 35 millimeter. And I love the 35 millimeter cameras. And I'm starting to venture into <laughs> slightly larger format, which is 127. <laughs> so I think that um, until we get to the Facebook questions, um, and I have a, maybe a few little questions myself. Um, maybe, Julie, you could kind of lead the conversation. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> I, um, I was, I did have a question from your story. When you, when you switched to film, what was your first camera? Like, what did you start with? Uh, Minolta XD, X, XD11. That was my first camera. It was a 35. Yeah. It was my first camera. Wow. So and probably- I actually got a great deal. <laughs> I got a really good deal, too. So, yeah, that was my first camera. Yeah. How did you go from the 35 millimeter camera to now a big family of homemade cameras? Like Um, what happened there? I can't really tell you (laughs) what, I, I don't know. You know, I think there's something about, I guess, you know, when you're working with different size films, so you have your 35, then you have your 120, then you have your sheet film. It just was like, I want a bigger, I want a bigger. So I got my 120, then I said, I want bigger. Then I got, went to four by five. And then within all of that, there were just different varieties of ways that I could work with those mediums. And then the next thing I knew, um, especially with pinhole, working with four by five is great. I love it. Um, but when you're working with paper, you're stuck with that size, so to speak. So I, I'm like, I want it bigger. So I, I built a five, seven and then I said, I want it bigger. And then I built an eight by 10. <laughs> so at this rate, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, but I mean, that's kind of, I just like to see it big. It was just something that I, I, I just strive for. I want it bigger and I want it, you know, and I've been also working with um, the, the process of positive uh, direct prints. So when I'm, making it that size, it's going to be a positive. That's kind of my, I guess my future um, undertakings that I'm trying to, you know, develop like a good workflow so that I can do it each and every time. Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to do. And then I'd always have that negative so that if I ever want to redo it again, I can also do it. So there's the chemical process or there's the a contact printing way that I can do it. So there's two ways that I can go about it. So, yeah, that's kind of what's in, up in the air right now. Yeah. You can hear Mario laughing in the background probably because he, you're probably the second person that he's heard say, but I want it bigger, but I want it bigger. <laughs> exactly. I told him I was looking for eight by 10 holders and he said, well, I'd get you an eight by 10 holder, but by the time it gets here, you'll probably want a bigger one. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. Guilty as charged. True. (laughs) I found my own. So, you know, you were planning a bigger camera. You told me when we were talking, um, a 12 by 12. Yeah. I love the square format. So if I was to go, I would go 12 by 12. Um, now the issue with the 12 by 12 is, is, is the holder. I mean, I know that you can make the camera so that you're kind of like um, putting two um, boxes in w- within one another and the paper stays at the back. I like the holder. I like to have the holders because um, especially if I'm going out and I'm going say on a little road trip, um, I can easily, it's so much easier than having to go into the darkroom bag and switching. I, I, I can't do that. So I like to just be quick. I change it, take another shot. Okay. Put another holder in there. That's kind of how I like the flow. So yeah, but I've been looking into building a 
I guess it would be 12 by 12, so-called holder, but trying to build it through a picture frame. That's kind of my goal of what I'm trying to do. Um, and if I can make it as light as possible, that's what I want to do because I love to be portable with the stuff that I build. I don't want to be stuck to say, okay, I make it this big. I can only be in a studio because it's just too big to move around. I like to make everything that I, it's portable. I can go anywhere with it. Um, that's always my thought when I'm thinking of making something. Okay, how light and good can I make it so that I can just go anywhere? There's no restrictions. So that's my mentality when I'm thinking of building something. Yeah, I, I have a question about the the 12 by 12. I, I love, love square format as well. And it's interesting. I, I started liking it from a digital camera perspective. I had a little <laughs> tiny little Canon uh, S95 and it, you could change the aspect ratio and one of them was square format. And I just I liked it. Um, but 12 by 12 that, you know, that's that's big, you know, it is. It is. <laughs> so I mean. I guess if I have to bring like a little trolley, I'll bring a trolley. And I'm like, hey, if that's what I gotta do, that's yeah, what yeah. I gotta do. As long as it's not that heaviness that I have to mm. be looking around, you know. So that's kind of my thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, the question <laughs> I have is, um, do they make film in twelve by twelve? Well, actually, I wouldn't be using film. I would be okay. using paper. Okay. Because um, I think you know, if you in that case. And the way that I build cameras, I can make it any size that I want. I mean, I bought a roll of Ilford paper. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It cost me a lot of money. But, I mean, <laughs> but you got it. <laughs> I wanted to get it because yeah. now I have the option of doing any size I want, small, big, whatever. And yeah. um, so it, it was the only way that would work for me. Um, buying 16 by 20 paper is crazy you get what 10 sheets i think in a pack yeah i like to test my stuff sometimes a little bit it's just too expensive for me um so i figured you know what i'm gonna get a roll and then i'm gonna be able to cut the sheets to whatever size i need and there you go that's yeah. cool um from what i understand paper has a you know a base iso of like what six is it yeah three to six something like that yeah, I mean, it, I always rate it at six. Some okay. people rate it at three. Some people rate it, rate it at four. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's an, a specific thing, but I always rate it at six. Most okay. of the time, that's what I rate it at is six. Yeah. Because what I was thinking, with a 12 by 12, if you had film that was rated at six, or even, even a film like, say, um, Panatomic X, which is a 32 ISO film, but it's really, really crisp and clear if you had film that size imagine the enlargements that you could do if 35 millimeter can make an a 12 yeah. by 18. yeah it, it's <laughs> sick you know it's crazy it's just too bad that films become so expensive you know mm. so but i mean to be honest i've never really looked at film being expensive yeah. because um i just look at what i want to do yeah and i don't care i want to do it <laughs> so, I, I agree. I agree. If you want to buy a roll only, of film. Yeah. The only choice, it. of course, you know, um, paper just being more flexible. I mean, I could buy it and I get a lot more for my buck. And, you know, but it, if I if this is what I want to do and I'm going to need, say, you know, this size or that size, I, I, I get it and I do it. Yeah. You know, it just become it can become an issue, um, but it's not really an issue for me, at least not yet. 
<laughs> because I know that's what I want to do. And I know that it's going to be costing me money. I know I'm going to have to invest, you know, um, and also the processing. I know that. So it's understood. And, and I just, you know, go with wherever I'm thinking that I want to go to, you know? Yeah. Well, any hobby, I mean, any hobby is going to be like that, you know, uh, whatever the hobby may be, there's going to be some output, some cost that's involved and some time. Um, but if we enjoy the process, I mean, it's all worth it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. I, if I must say, there's something really, really cool about seeing like Julie's, you know, taking images with some of her homemade cameras, whether it's pinhole or whatever. Uh, and of course, she's used paper. And so the image is inverted it, it, you know it's a negative but it looks so cool yeah <laughs> it just looks cool as a negative and then yeah. making a positive out of that it's like yeah both are good you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you have a lot more interest in big cameras than you think i think maria I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he's just playing it off you'll yeah. see <laughs> he's like i like the little cameras yeah. every time I do. I do. every time i pull one out he's like well could i use that sometimes <laughs> yes you can <laughs> but um suzanne wanted me to find out from you about your alternative processes now she's She's into list printing and cyanotypes, and she just started doing um, T-toning of her cyanotypes. And she wanted, um, I wrote it down. She said to ask you about your selective bleaching and what you're doing with turmeric. Oh, um, the turmeric, I kind of left it really for the summertime because it's very, you've got to leave that out for quite some time. Now, Again, my, my, my mentality is to think, okay, turmeric takes a very long time, but is there a way to make it more sensitive to, to light, let's just say, you know what I mean? Um, and I've been looking into that. Is there things that I can combine the turmeric with to make it a more sensitive, emul like let's say emulsion? Um, those are things I've been looking into. Um, I've tried it using my home, like I have a, a light at home, a UV light that I bought, and I tried using that, but it's 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 very, very long. It takes a very, very long time. And even I think after 45 minutes, it was still very, very, um, a very dull image. So, you know, there's something there where I said, you know what, I'm not gonna really work with it that way. But, you know, my, my, my thought is like, how can I make it maybe more sensitive? where it could be something that could be used more freely, uh, maybe like the cyanotype, for example, you know, but um, that's something that I haven't really touched in a while. Now the bleaching, uh, selective bleaching, um, there's, there's several factors why I thought of it is because when you tone, it's beautiful, but sometimes I find the paper, the white itself, it just looks too muddy. So I figured, hey, is there a way that I can actually just brush on those areas to lighten it up a little bit and to kind of, you know, bring it more to maybe a more pleasing look, at least for my eyes. And that's where I started to see about the selective bleaching. And it actually does work. It actually does work very well. You just have to, you know, you could just do little mini prints and you could just practice on your little prints just to see how much. You just don't use too much water so that it leaks into the other areas. You can even, you know, you just have to be careful, but 
using a brush is probably the best way because you can really just select instead of using like a, a cotton ball or something, you can just really select it just on the areas that you need. Um, and I guess determining how much you would use in terms of the concentration, I guess it would all depend on the staining. But um, yeah, I think it's something that can really work well for images that maybe there's certain areas just look a little off and you want to clean it up a little bit. I think it's, it's something that could be used. Yeah. What are you using? What is the bleach? Um, well, you can use a you can use uh, vinegar. You can use vinegar, um, and and mix it with water. You can use that as one option. Um, but then again, I don't. I experimented with the vinegar, but then I'm thinking, well, I don't know if it will mold after a time because of the vinegar. Um, so I then you can also use um, washing soda as well. You can use that too. Um, and I prefer the washing soda to use over the vinegar. Um, I just think it's safer all around. And that's what I use. And again, always make a concentration that is low. Don't start with something that's very strong. It's better that if you want to build up the bleach, like the, the removing of the color slowly, you don't want to go too fast. So yeah, that's, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Cool. So for people who um, don't do any alternative printing, maybe can you just explain what you're starting with? So, you know, a lot of people that we talk to, they're having 35 millimeter sheet, um, not sheet film, but, you know, film negative strips or 120. Um, so what are you starting with? Are you using a negative? Are we starting with a cyanotype or a darkroom print or uh, I, I'm actually getting my I, I, my photographs are actually put printed onto acetate. That's how I do it. I never really use my own negatives for the cyanotype. I no, I don't. I don't use it. I, I usually will get it printed at a print shop onto the acetate, and then that's how I work with them. Yeah. I think that's smart because those negatives they're one of a kind, and it's I. Oh man, I damaged one of my one of my negatives of one of my most favorite pictures that I've ever taken, and it was because of putting it in the uh, in the enlarger. I noticed there was a little dust, and so I tried to wash it off. And this was you know months after I'd shot and developed and all that, and so I tried to wash it off, and it ended and it ended up damaging the uh, the oh. negative. So yeah, uh, it's irritating, but oh well. Yeah. I <laughs> um, mean. It's 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 a scary thing to to say that okay well even if maybe a little bit of the cyanotype gets on it I can just like what I don't know I just I don't know if I would really want to do it unless yeah. it's a tester then maybe okay I'll I'll you know but yeah it's it's a scary thing you know because it's that one negative that you got mm -hmm. so yeah that is the nice thing about the modern technology that we have is that we can make a digital copy like you said and put it on acetate where it's actually a film negative mm -hmm. yeah but just done so in a different way and you're not damaging your original so um i do have a question about your uh i think you said the turmeric um uh printing are is that so when you said that what, what what i was having in mind we've done some cyanotypes and you know you have the paper and then you brush on the the two 
you know, parts of the, or the, I guess you mix the two parts of the cyanotype solution and then brush it on. Is that kind of what you're doing with the turmeric? Yeah, it's a very similar, very similar thing. But um, okay. what I do though, is that I, um, I put a little bit of turmeric and there's a little bit of um, uh, alcohol in there as well. Okay. To kind of separate some of the grains from the actual solution. Okay, and like rubbing alcohol? Yeah, you can, I'm uh, not rubbing alcohol. It's, um, well, I mean, I use, um, what's it called? It's 95% alcohol. Oh, like Everclear. I, yeah, Everclear. That's what I use. I use okay. the Everclear. But, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to use Everclear. I just chose to use Everclear. I mean, I'm sure there's ways around using other similar uh, things, and that's kind of what I do. And then you kind of let it sit for a little bit, and you'll kind of see there's a little bit, it'll kind of separate a little bit, and then you just kind of syringe it out, and then put on the paper and then you just yeah okay that way you don't get the grains of the turmeric but yes. you get the chemical that comes from exactly. the grains. exactly exactly yeah oh yeah cool cool <laughs> have you tried that with beets yet no i actually found a site where there's this i can't remember her name but she has tried a whole bunch of different natural uh developers um and uh it's something that i might kind of get into maybe but uh I've never tried it yet. Nothing. She does, I think, beets. She's done, I think, mint. I think she's done chocolate. I think she's she's done a whole bunch of different things, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing for me, I, I mean, I think it's great. It's just the sensitivity that for me that I find that's a little rough. <laughs> now, if I want to do self-portraits, that's going to be a little rough for me. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it is something to look into you know, for other things, of course. But uh, yeah, it's always good to know these little things because you just never know, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of self-portraiture, on your Instagram site, and I, I'm, let's see, I'll get out of, uh, on your uh, Instagram page, there was a self-portrait of yourself. And uh, <laughs> yeah, by definition. <laughs> oh, I, I shouldn't do this looking through your Instagram site, but it was a, it was kind of a blurry image of yourself. And I think you might've been in the woods. Um, yeah, let me. Oh, that probably, that was probably a pinhole picture. Oh, um, okay. That's probably a pinhole picture. Yeah. Um, what were you shooting uh, with that? I, I think I was looking out in the water or something. Was I standing looking out to the waterfront? Maybe, I think it, maybe it was that one. Well, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot more self-portraits <laughs> on my page, but I kind of removed a lot of them because yeah. I wanted to separate. I wanted to make a separate. I wanted to separate it from my kind of other work. So I right, kind of a little bit of a yeah. I just <laughs> oh, there, there it is. Um, you put on there. Um, I couldn't end. Let's see, I couldn't end without trying a self-portrait with this set, and uh, you have a hashtag DIY camera pinhole. Yeah pinhole and five by seven box camera i just what were you shooting on paper let me sh let me show it to you and sure. then i'll make sure to put it oh yikes uh, oh yeah that's paper okay nice nice yeah that's paper okay yeah cool cool not uh not the turmeric for sure <laughs> no. <laughs> no no i mean no. even the cyanotype takes a long time in a box camera i can't you know i can't even imagine the turmeric it's crazy. <laughs> so comparatively speaking, uh, depend or de between uh, 
you know, standard cyanotype and turmeric, what's the, what's the difference as far as uh, time duration and sensitivity and exposure? Is it like four times as long or? You know, I, I, I don't know if I would, hmm. maybe at least maybe four times as long, I guess it would depend, but it's, it's really not a sensitive emulsion if okay. you want to look at it that way it's not that very sent it's not sensitive at all um so working with like a uv light probably is probably the best way because you could just really have it as close as possible <laughs> to get that strength in but um you know it's it's an interesting thing but uh, for everything you know i always think about the sensitivity just because everything i do i think okay i want to be able to do self portraits so what am I going to be dealing with, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then I know with, uh, you know, standard photographic paper, you know, you have your exposure developing and then you fix it to keep it permanent. Um, and with cyanotypes, I, th I think the cyanotypes are, I mean, you fix it with just water or develop yeah. it with just water and all that. Um, and then the hydrogen peroxide to kind of darken it or whatever. Um, I don't know about the permanence of cyanotypes, but what about the, like they, like say the turmeric, can you fix that or is it self-fixing or what do you know? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm just I, trying I have to think not, about these things. I have not explored it enough to really know, you know, certain things like in terms of like, will it fade very easily and how long will it fade? Or is there something that you should apply so that it doesn't fade or it doesn't fade as fast? I really am not sure about that. I'm okay. not sure. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be fascinating to find out because I know, uh, oh, Jess, Jess, Jessica Jones from the Negative Positives. She's she kind of left the podcast, um, not for any bad reason. That she just had some other things to to do. But one of the things she's been doing is um, cyanotypes on jeans or on denim. Okay. And I know you know denim goes through the washer a lot. But that you know somehow it must be able to be fixed, and so that yeah, makes me I, think I about believe, these. Yeah, once once there's oxidization, I think it's just done. It's it's oh, okay. It's stuck, you know. So the oxidization uh, is the fixing. Is is really yeah? It it. I mean, that's what's just gonna keep it there. And I mean, of course, at the you know, there are variables as well too. Like when I'm always making a cyanotype, I always go a little bit more with my time than it being just enough. Mm. So I don't know that it, there, there could be a principle in that there because it goes from one state to another state. And once it reaches a, a, a certain state, like it's I go, it goes from a ferric state to a ferrous state. And once it gets there, it's just permanent. Oh, wow. That's that's kind of the quickie explanation. OK, okay. <laughs> that's a quickie explanation. <laughs> so once it's there, I mean, I've had these actually. I mean, they have not changed color and I've had them for at least three, four years. Wow. And my window is maybe about six feet. Like I have a, a window six feet. So there's this light does come on to them during the day. Yeah. And they seem to be holding up very well. But again, I expose them a little bit more than what I would uh, like. If it takes three minutes, I'll expose it for maybe three and a half. Okay. You know, just before it starts to solarize. You don't want it to solarize, but to that point where it's getting there. You know. And how can you tell if something's being solarized? Because we've we've done some cyanotypes, or you know, done 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 a little bit of that. But it um, 
you know, not enough to really understand the process. So what is solarization? What, is, what happens? Um, because, you know, it kind of gets to a, uh, like a, a grayish, kind of like a, a gray. It, you, you, okay. You actually, you, if you just leave it out there and you say, okay, it's really, you, you will kind of, st- it's, it's, it'll be an obvious thing when okay. it's out there long enough. So it really looks, you really see like, okay, this thing is sold. You'll see it. I okay. can't really explain it, okay. but you'll actually get to see it. You, you'll see. Or you can even put like a little, like say like a little marking on an edge of the paper and you will be able to see, okay, it's getting funky now. It's starting to get a little bit weird. Okay. And I mean, it's hard to explain. <laughs> That's but all right. You'll be, you'll be able to see that, okay, something's happening here. It's, it's getting funny, you know, okay. but yeah. Okay, I think we I think we've experienced that. Like I'm I'm picturing, uh, I think it was last last summer or maybe even last spring. We were like really wanting to do this, but it wasn't really light enough here in Vermont. You know, you understand that we're pretty yeah. close, kind of in the same uh, climate. Um, you need to wait for those long summer days where you get a good amount of sun and en- solar energy. But um, yeah, I do remember uh, leaving it out there for a lot longer than than three and a half or four minutes or you know three to three and a half minutes yeah. and it, it did get kind of that that gray it's, yeah tinging. you'll see it's kind of like gets gray like a silvery kind of grayish color and you'll uh-huh. see that when it's really you'll know that you've gone a little bit over overboard you okay know? yeah now does yeah. that affect it like if it gets to that point does that affect its permanence or does it start to degrade the I, image or i don't think it affects its permanence but it just might not look right, right. okay i mean <laughs> i i you know, also too, you know, when I was starting, I was just going through different uh, things. Like, okay, well, what if I leave it out uh, there for a long time? What's going to happen? But yeah. after that, it was thrown out. I mean, I didn't keep it. So I didn't really, you know, know to that to say, okay, it still is permanent as say how I would do it the right way or, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know, but I don't know if it would really affect the permanency. I don't think so. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I've talked long enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had a lot more to talk and I kind of interrupted. So do you have anything more? No, don't, don't as... apologize. Okay. But I think that we should ask the questions that we got because yeah. otherwise we're going to end up overlapping. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let me go ahead and start with the uh, the first two questions. We got four questions and two of them are more general and the other two are more related to you know, both of you, uh, you, uh, you, Julie, and you, Nicole, um, as far as making cameras. So I'm going to ask the first two questions. Sam Warner asks, what is currently inspiring your photography? Oh, boy. Um, you know, it can be, there's nothing really set for me to say that there's uh, one particular thing. I could be watching a movie mm-hmm. and something I see can just say, oh my God, and something will just come in my brain and I'll sketch it. I still sketch. I do sketches. <laughs> I have a sketchbook <laughs> and I'll sketch something down. I could maybe be walking down the street. I don't know. I see something and it just, I just welcome anything that just comes to my mind at that moment. Um, but there's nothing particular that w- that's, insp- it's just, I guess everything that can inspire me. I guess I'll say it that way. You know, my mind is just always open and I'm, I'm always thinking of something, you know, maybe from something that I've done the week before. What else can I do to maybe improve it or what else can I do? And then after I'll be look up and I'll be, oh, that's 
that might work. And and it just comes together, you know? Yeah. That's cool. I'm kind of the same way, you know, I, I've been asked the same question and I don't have a particular one thing that, that inspires me. It's just everyday life. And so, yeah, I totally understand that. Cool. Well, Billy Sanford asks, do you have any photography goals for the new year? Oh, man. Um, one of my biggest goals is actually to do a little bit more traveling. Um, and of course, I spoke earlier about uh, direct positive prints, which is something that I would like to travel. Uh, that's That would be the process I'd be traveling with. So that is kind of my biggest goal that I would like to hopefully do next year. Um, next year in a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, it was something that I wanted to do before, but, you know, 2019, the COVID happened, right. and that kind of put so many things on the back burner. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, well, maybe the year it'll be okay, and then no, and then it kind of like, I'm okay, like, this is something that I got to do. Yeah, yeah, so that's partially why I've also been building cameras, because I want to work with the variety as well. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what I, goes. I could just imagine a, a caravan <laughs> behind you with all these large format cameras that you've built. <laughs> I think I'll take five, seven today. <laughs> and rolls and rolls and rolls of paper. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, that's cool. That it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what you uh what what you come up with as you know as you do your traveling. It'll be nice to see your the results. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear okay. you. Okay. Oh, okay. Mario and Mario cut out from my end, so I wasn't sure. Oh, um, did I cut out? From for me, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm sure I just, if. I was just fine. saying that it'll be nice to see your uh, what comes as a result of your traveling and all the different cameras you've built. Well, Sherry Christensen had a question for you, which is, what inspires you to DIY your own cameras? Being able to go bigger. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, like I said, I started, you know, the four by five and it was great. It was like, yeah, it's nice and big. And then I'm like, okay, I want to go bigger. And then you think, okay, I could buy an eight by 10 and go bigger. Right. <laughs> and then you look at the prices and then you look at the lenses and then you, I'm like, okay, this is something that's going to be crazy. I don't know if I'll be able to, I mean, yeah, I could save up for it and eventually get it, but I want to do it now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how it ended up coming into the idea that, well, how can I build something that's bigger? Well, you know, you can build a pinhole camera out of anything, right? So I said, well, why not try and make it bigger? And I made a five by five by seven. And then that worked and that was great. Okay, I don't have to cut the paper. I could just slip the paper right in there. And then I'm like, well, you know, how about eight by 10? And then <laughs> it just went up to eight by 10. And then who knows, you know, the 12 by 12 is in the air. But uh, it's just having that big photograph just coming right out of that box that you've built and then you're processing it. You know, it's, I don't know. I just, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine having a camera the size of Montreal? Oh, goodness. Really? <laughs> you know? Wow. Well, I don't know if you know Brendan Barry, but uh, Brandon Barry, I don't know if that's, I said his name, but he does a lot of 
huge, huge uh, pinhole uh, photographs and stuff. He's amazing. Um, he's he's very inspiring. I watch some of his work sometimes, but um, like he does it where he has like a full room that's just an it, like it's just crazy. You know, it's really interesting. Um, he's kind of someone that I found after I started building things, and I was like, okay, so I'm not the only crazy one because I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, here I am. Every once in a while, I'm building something here, and I'm I'm thinking okay, people probably just think I'm nuts, but no, I think it's also becomes something that you have to do you know it, it it's just like okay what else can i build okay i did it it's a success okay well where where else can i go it, it, it's just like you know it's well, a drug after <laughs> i guess you can say in a sense i mean both of you two are kind of in the mold of uh george eastman you know you know he was or in de Gure, you know way back in the uh 1800s you know all these people making making the cameras and trying to come up with different emulsions and all that. And that's what you guys are doing too. So that's you're putting me to shame, <laughs> <laughs> which is totally Julie, good. He's pretending. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, yeah. Well, he's offered to help me cut, you know, to build a camera out of wood if I made the design, but I'm like, no, I want to make it myself. Like, I'll either learn how to use the power tools without cutting off my arms, or it's going to be cardboard or foam core, because those I can do. I want to do it by myself. And that's part of why I like using paper, too, because I don't like, um, I don't like being in the complete dark. I like the red light, and I like to see what's happening. And you can't do that with other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. But you also mentioned, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but you mentioned to me um, when we were talking a week or so ago that you're actually working on developing your own emulsion to coat paper with. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I actually did make my first batch of emulsion. I haven't tested it yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that I've been doing. I mean, I'm also looking at the sensitivity as, as I, I, this is always gonna come up, but um, I, I discovered through doing a lot of research and a lot of reading, there are actual sensitizers that you can add to your emulsion, but then there's, you know, I might have to end up working in the dark, which is uh, one thing, but, um, you know, then there's people talking about, well, you can wear night vision goggles, <laughs> like that. <laughs> And I'm like, hmm, maybe that's why I might have to do that. But uh, yeah, I, I I have been working on uh, making paper emulsion. Um, I also bought, you know, the thing is, I was really wondering, like, what paper could you use? And I did speak to an Ilford representative because I was asking them, you know, if they sold their paper without the emulsion, you know. <laughs> and of course they don't. But, you know, I was like, well, where, like, what would I, you know, and he gave me like some links to look into and stuff like that. So I ended up buying a roll of paper, which is not as expensive, of course, as the Ilford paper itself. But um, that's what I'm going to be um, playing around and testing out, uh, you know, playing around with the emulsions. I have a lot of recipes that I found. Um, and, you know, it's really not that hard. It's just a matter of, you know, the temperature. I think that's that's kind of the important thing. And also when you're injecting the silver nitrate into your gelatin, 
that's kind of a, a ticket there, whether you'll have a fast emulsion versus a slow emulsion, a grainy emulsion versus, you know, a fine grain. Uh, so, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, so you are using silver then? Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Because, uh, you know, we've been talking about, you know, turmeric and cyanotypes. Um, you're making an emulsion that is... An actual, emul like, photo... Silver-based emulsion. That's it, exactly. That's yeah. cool, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So soon enough, we're going to be able to to buy rolls of <laughs> Nicole Small's <laughs> new emulsion for 2023. <laughs> that would be cool. I don't know how far I would go with it, but I mean, you know, we we you I mean, everything is left open, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would be because I mean, my goal was really to try and figure out to make an emulsion for paper that's more sensitive than you know, that six ISO that I've been working with. Okay. That's kind of my goal, my ultimate goal. But I'm taking my baby steps. I'm first getting myself into the workflow of actually making an emulsion and understanding in the way that I make it, what's, what are the results of that? Is it grainy? Is it, you know, and all these different little things. And then from there, then I will start to get into the sensitizing of the emulsion and then making the comparisons of what I've done before. It's going to be a little bit of a, a road ahead, but um, I'm determined to figure it out and hopefully have my own emulsion that I could work with, you know? Yeah. That's cool. The nice thing about that is um, if you, at least if you have the raw materials and the non-coated paper, you run short of paper, you just make your own, you know? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ship to Montreal no more. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I can do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Have you tried glass plates or tin types or yeah. any of that? I've tried glass plates, the J Lane dry plates. I've tried those. Um, again, I was there was a time where I was trying to see if I could um, actually make them as positives, and uh, I didn't get really much with that. I didn't get very far with it, but I went through a whole lot of plates. <laughs> and um two boxes just about two boxes worth oh man and uh, i kind of was like you know what okay uh let's put this on pause for a minute and i kind of you know <laughs> because i mean it's, it's not cheap you know <laughs> it's no. not cheap but you know when you're in the middle of something finding something i'm very stubborn so i want to get it so i kept going and going and going and then after i realized oh my god i'm on my second box and i have two plates left and i'm like okay next <laughs> You got to stop, you know, because that was I was like, I wouldn't have I would have just kept, probably kept going if I didn't really say, Nicole, I think you got to cool it down a little bit. But uh, it might be something that I might look into again. But again, I still like the paper idea much better. Yeah, I love paper negatives. I I like shooting for the negative. That's kind of what I've been doing lately. I'm like, ah. Who cares what it looks like inverted? If it looks cool <laughs> as a negative, then you're one and done. Like <laughs> you've developed it once, but you need it big. If you want to yeah. frame a negative, you know, I, I have some pretty four by five ones, but they're such babies. I'm like, what would you do with this tiny little baby picture? You need a big one. Big one, that's it. <laughs> so gotta do big. Yeah. And, you're going 12 you're going for the 12 by 12 i'm hoping to make a frame or a hold paper holder for an 8 by 8 just because i 
I've got eight by ten paper, so that's the biggest square I can. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. I yeah. Have. I've been trying to actually. I've been working on it because I think we did discuss that about mm -hmm. the. Uh, and um, I, like I said, when once I kind of figure something out, I'll definitely send that information, and maybe we could discuss a little bit because it would be really cool. I mean, then you can make any size holder you you want in that matter because it's going to be the basic principle for all of them. You know, it's just a different mm -hmm. size. But uh, yeah, it's something that I've been I had thought about because of the fact that I wanted to make a bigger camera, and I'm like, well, where am I going to get a holder? Because I like to work with the holder holders, opposed than just the box. It's you know opening up the box and putting in the paper and all that. So that was kind of my uh, point where I kind of stopped because I'm like, well, I'm kind of limited right now because I don't have the holder. So I'm like, well, what is the only way I can remedy that issue is to make it myself or at least try to so yeah. yeah so what advice would you have if anybody out there like mario who just likes his <laughs> little miniature film listens to you talking and says well i want to try to make a camera um <laughs> where would what would you suggest they do to get started well i would say start small first you know, like you could start with your four by five, you start small and then slowly as you get comfortable with using with a larger format, if you're only using the smaller format, then you can maybe gradually say, okay, I'll get bigger. Now, it's not feasible for all of us to say, okay, well, I'm gonna go buy that camera size because I wanna go bigger. So, but there are ways that you can actually, you know, get there um, as you and I do, Julie. So. You know, there's possibilities. Keep your mind open. There's, I always believe there's more than one way that you can get something done and that you can do it. That's my thought, you know. And, um, you know, most of the time it's I use whatever I've got and I see how can I manipulate the things together to make what it is that I want to make. It's They don't look pretty, you know. They might have a lot more limitations than the average camera that you can buy. But you know what? It works for me. It gives me what I want and I could bring it anywhere I want to go. And if it falls and breaks, I could just make it again. <laughs> you know, That's true. Uh, I'm not losing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I remember the first time I built my first camera. I don't know how long did it take me because I was just so like muffled, like what do I what I want to do? And it's just like a box camera. But then it was the way that I built the back that was a more of the, the issue for me because I didn't know, okay, how do I make sure that the, that the holder goes in there and that it's perfectly aligned so that, you know, but uh, now it takes me a few hours and I'm, and I'm done, you know. So if it breaks or if it gets wet and it starts, I, you know, I could just build it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anybody ha is following you already, then they've seen some of the pictures on Instagram or on your YouTube channel. We should put a plug in for that, too. Um, you have a lot of good, helpful advice in your YouTube videos, too. Thank you. And your magnifying glass lenses. So, like, you know, the cheapest, of course, is going to be to make a pinhole camera. Because you don't need a lens of any kind. You can, yes. I just use recyclables anyways. I don't know if you buy metal or if you use canned I metal. Soda can. Soda can. Yeah. That's what I use too. So, you know, your recycle bin, cardboard box, tape, there you're you good go. to go. You would be um, your own limitation, basically, you know. 
Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person I think of something and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. How can I make it? Do-? And I just, you know, you, 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 I'm just focused to get there and I get there. And that's all that matters for me. I don't care how it looks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just get there. And I would say, you know, when you have ideas, do them or try them, explore them instead of just thinking, oh, well, you know, and don't feel you need to have all the bells and whistles in order to try something new or to progress, there are ways that it can be done, you know? And if you're open-minded to the fact that it could be done and you don't necessarily look like that person with a brand new camera, then go for it, you know? There was a, there was a picture I saw, and I can't remember where, but it was of a, a bunch of ladies, all with different cameras, and I, I think the smallest one might have been I mean, maybe there was a 35 millimeter, but I don't think there was. I think they were all large formats or medium format, at least. And some of them were homemade. And that what you just said made me think of that, that it doesn't matter what the camera looks like as long as it works for you and does what you want. Then that's that's what what it's all about. Right. Exactly. And you could design it to do exactly what you want it to do as well. You know, so. There's no losing in that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> now, do you prefer, like Julie just said, that it, it would be simpler to to start with a pinhole? And pinhole does have a particular look versus a lensed camera. Both are great, you know. They're both they both produce different but fascinating fascinating images. Do you have a preference as far as uh, building a camera? Well, hmm. My preference, you know, I think it's my mood that will determine my preference. Yeah. That's what it'll be. Uh, And I mean, I'm very, you know, I'm very open to like the blurriness. I don't care about things being tack sharp and all that stuff. I can live with a little bit of that um, artsy look, you know, I I prefer that. But I think it will depend on my mood. Because when I go on my treks, I will sometimes bring more than one camera and it's sitting there. When I get there... I look at the place, what's going to suit where I'm here, where I am actually today. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I pull out. There we go. Nice. You know? So, yeah, I, I like to just leave it up to that moment when I'm there. Because I like nice. to visit places that I have not been to before. So yeah. whenever I'm going there, it's all a surprise. It's always exciting. What's there? What's this way? What's that mm-hmm. way? And that's how I love to do it. Just keeps it, you know... Um, keeps it inspiring as well because sometimes I come up with these challenges and these different challenges or you know something that I wouldn't necessarily photograph all of a sudden I'm like hmm, I'm finding interest in it um, yeah. water was one that was one of those subjects that all of a sudden I don't know I just kept being drawn to photographing bodies of water mm-hmm. I don't know where it came from but it's now something that I love to photograph it's kind of like me with reflections. I just love reflections, whether it's in mirrors or a, a very shallow pool of water that's highly reflective. I love that. Really, really love it. But um, um, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep interrupting. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Julie. <laughs> Do you want me to ask the last question that we want. got on Facebook? Yeah, if you want to, that'd be great. Um, Bob St. Cyr wants to know if you have any ideas for building a classroom set of usable pinhole cameras and what types of materials and um, would you acquire or make pinholes, for example? 
I actually have thought of having workshops um, and I was planning on building cameras and there was a little bit of a debate because obviously not everybody has film holders. So that's out of the question of building something that would need a film holder because not everyone's going to necessarily go out and buy them either. Um, but I did at one point think of building cameras, um, you know, the one where you just put it one into the other and the papers at the back. Um, so that, yes, I have thought of it about it, but I haven't done it yet. Um, maybe this year, I don't know, maybe that might be something to do. Uh, I guess if the interest is there as well. Um, and as far as the pinhole, I did make a multi pinhole camera and I just used a regular sewing needle and made my hole in the soda can. I mean, what I did after that, you really wanna make sure that you don't stick the whole thing, the whole pin through, you know, the metal, but you just the tip to when it starts to widen. You just want that little fine, fine tip. And then I just tested out to see, okay, what am I looking at in terms of exposure under a certain amount, on, a, on um, different lighting scenarios? And then that's how I find it. Okay, it's F whatever, and that's what I, that's what I did. You know, I'm really, uh, I don't always write down all my notes. Like I said, I just know I want to get there, and I get there. I'm gonna get there, and I'm gonna make it there. And however I do, and however I realize, I'll figure out. That's that's my knowledge, and it's there. And you know, I mean, of course, workshops would be a little bit different now. I would go more into depth and explanation. But for me, when I'm doing it, it's just that I got to get there. And that's that's it. You know, a real quick question about you were talking about uh, pinholes and using just the tip of the pin. Um, how do you determine or not determine, but how how are you able to discern what the what the f stop is? Um, that I've done. Now this is my own personal way. The way I've done it, I just test it after I make the hole. Okay. So, for example, I'll say, okay, I mean, you know, the the pin the 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 needles themselves, they do have, I think, a certain uh, millimeter to it. It mm -hmm. it does tell you, but again, I. If I do try it and I put it on the camera and I put it there, I will test and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna put it for 15 seconds. Then I'll try another one, 25 seconds. And I'll just kind of, that's that's my, that's the way that I do it. Okay. Um, especially because I don't really, it's just a needle, right? It's just a needle. And it depends also too, is my camera very narrow or is my camera very, has depth to it? Yes. That's gonna be a variant as well. So that's what I do. I just kind of do my little test and I see, okay, it looks like it's giving me one minute after I measure my light. And then after I'll say, okay, I'm going to try something else, do one minute, Ooh, good exposure. Then I know, okay, it's this, this is my F-stop for this particular camera or this particular hole if I'm doing multiple holes. Because it's a little hard to try and do, I think I did nine holes. To wow. Yeah, to try and uh, see that all of them are exactly the same size. Okay. I know the middle one was a little bit bigger than the rest. So I have to just compensate, you know, like for that, like I'll open that a little bit after and then wow. <laughs> continue the exposure, you know. Okay. That's what's so exciting about building your own things. Things are just, you know, it's it's always something cool, you know. Yeah. That's rad. 
Well, I know for myself, I just have two questions uh, that I personally want to ask you. One is based on your your Instagram, um, and but the other one I'll ask first. And it might be it might not have that much relevance because you are a really large format shooter and you do shoot a lot of paper. But I know 2022 so far has been pretty good for the film community, um, prices of film notwithstanding. We've had so many releases of various film stocks, including the lovely <laughs> Lomachrome Turquoise, <laughs> but also Kodak Gold in 120. We've got uh, the Cinestill 400D in 35, 120, and 4x5. Um, Mirror, was it 100 and 400? Yeah. In 120. Mm-hmm. And then double film, like just within the last couple of days, double film and um, Revelog releasing five of their you know, most popular films in 35, now in 120. And so what do you think about, you know, all these emulsions, either brand new emulsions or being released in different formats? What, what, is it, what do you think about it and what do you think the future of film photography is? Um, I'm going to be blunt and tell you that, you know, I don't really follow too much of that. Okay. I, mean, I do see the announcements of new films that have come out and stuff like that. But I I guess I'm I'm just in my own little world with what I work with and I'm comfortable where I am. Okay. And maybe because I get I am trying to make my own emulsion, I kind of <laughs> have a little bit okay, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can maybe, you know, somehow I can it can compensate for me by like I got my own stuff here, you know. But yeah. um I don't know, I don't let these things really uh, catch me too much. I I like my FP4. I love that film. That's the film that I use. Um, I mean, Across Plus, the original used to be here, was a film that I love to use in Bright Sun, but that's gone. I mean, we do have the Across 2 now, but I don't buy it. Um, I stick to my Ilford film and my paper, and I'm content. Okay. I'm content, you know? It keeps it simple. That's nice. Yeah. Um, the other question that I have, it's, I'm trying to find the picture on your, on your Instagram. I saw one that was similar, but it wasn't the exact one, but I'll, I'll, uh, find it here. Um, it was a developing tank where you had, yeah, there it is dated. Let's see, June 14th of 2020. And it was, it looked like a, a, a developing tank, mm-hmm. you know, standard Patterson type tank. But you had this uh, this holder, and it looks like four by five sheets. Yeah, yeah, so you can buy what, that. That's cool. What I want to find out is, do you find them to be effective for developing, like as far as like an even development on the film, or do they? Do the does the film touch each other? Do, is there any of that I uh, have going on? No issues um, okay. using it ever. Uh, film has never come out of any of the notches. Um, I haven't had any issues with that. And I think, you know, maybe if you're a little bit um, worried about it, maybe you just use a little stick and you just agitate it that way instead of, you know, doing your actual inversions. Right, right. Never had issues. I mean, I used to have another tank. Um, I don't remember. I think it's a Yankee tank. It's a black tank. Yeah. You can put up to 12. That you get uneven development. That okay. I choose with. And that's why I ended up looking into what else I could use. And then I found the, I think it's a mod 54, I think it's called or something like that. 
and uh, yeah, where you can just use it and put it in the tank. So that's what I use. Yeah. How much, uh, how, as far as the the liquid or the develop the developer liquid, uh, how much of it does it take to fill it's up one of those? For, I think it's about. Four, oh, geez, I don't remember. It's been a while since. <laughs> I'm I'm so much into paper that like it's been a while. Um, okay. But it's I think it's about close to a liter. I think maybe okay. or a little bit less than that. Okay. Um, to develop to, to well, that, process. Yeah. That's typically what we uh, when we you know blend our own or you know mix our own ke our, our chemicals our C forty one chemicals or whatever. Yeah, you get it's about a liter. So yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's good to know. That's good to know because I know Julie's talked about um, at some point shooting color uh, color negative four by fives, and the only thing is either send it off or develop it ourselves. It would be cheaper to develop it our, ourselves, but I. You know, I saw that and I'm like, oh, okay, that that might be yeah. a, a way to do it. Thing to have, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. and just I'll make sure. Ah, <laughs> I was gonna show it, show it to you to make sure that I got the the right one. It's uh, ah, yeah, that? okay, yeah. <laughs> and I'll yeah. make sure to put that on the Instagram site yeah. as well, so yeah. everybody knows what we're talking about. But and if you make your own C41 too, you're, 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 you know, that's, that's another bonus as well. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Well, Julie, do you have any more questions? Well, I've got a zillion, but okay. I'll leave it at one. <laughs> I don't know where we are with time. I don't know. We're at a minute but... eight. So we got time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Minute an hour... eight. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. An hour and nine minutes, an hour and eight, hour and nine, whatever. And it's, it's totally fine. Don't worry. As long as you're okay, Nicole. I'm I'm fine. I'm happy. Okay. Let's this is great. Let's go on as long okay. as we want. <laughs> well, one thing that everyone on your page will notice is you take a lot of self-portraits. And I think some of us try to stay out of our pictures and out of other people's pictures. I'm I've gotten more used to it since Mario takes so many. I tolerate it. And <laughs> if I see him pointing a camera at me, I will hold still. <laughs> while he takes the picture of me but um guilty as charged <laughs> how did you end up getting into that I mean of course there's the cell phone selfie culture which is totally different than what you're doing um did you want to shoot more more people and you didn't have people willing to sit or did you want to make kind of expressions of how you're feeling or what um, it's, it started off really as learning light, how to, I mean, again, I started doing self portraits when I was still shooting digital. And what I would do is I would set up my living room and I would test lighting setups. I would try different, you know, and I would use myself. It was nothing that I thought I, it was just simply for that, just to test lighting, you know, and then just like that, I said, I'm going to stick one of these up there, just see what happens. And then I was, to my surprise, I mean, people actually liked it. And I'm like, I'm like, really? <laughs> and then it became like a curiosity thing. Well, let me try this. And then, you know, then it started getting a little bit more artsy and, and stuff. And then after I'm like, I'm kind of liking this, you know? And I'll be honest, my pictures are not about me. It's about the creativity. And I think some people might be stuck with that when maybe they're seeing myself for it. It's not, has nothing to do with me. It's the creativity. You know, the processes that I, I discovered and the processes that I work with, how can I manipulate that into making a unique photograph? 
And it so happens to be me um, because sometimes it could be like two o'clock in the morning and I have an idea and I'm setting up and I'm doing it. And that's it, you know? So um, as far as, you know, it, it's funny because I went from, I love shooting people. That was how it all kind of came into portraiture was portraiture of people. And that was my thing. And then it slowly started to shift over to me only because I just started to enjoy what I was doing. And it was really an innocent little thing. And then I just said, oh, you know, and I had sketches that I had where it was supposed to be someone else, like more conceptual ideas. So then I started looking into the sketchbook and saying, well, maybe I could try and do some of these ideas, but with myself. And then that's kind of how it really snowballed into me going into it and it being something that I was still almost doing regularly because I'd look through my book and like, okay, you know, what could I pull from this idea that was supposed to be someone else? And then I would, I'd see like three or four different images in that one sketch. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do this weekend. And then it just started. And then the pinhole came in and then it just rolled all together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I've been thinking about um, a, if I can make a camera that I can run the shutter without being behind the camera, which I know you figured out how to do because you're obviously taking a lot of yourself. <laughs> um, I was been thinking, well, maybe I'll try that because I don't. Mario's the only person that will sit and let me take his picture, but that gets a little awkward when you're if you share your pictures you're like how many pictures do you need to have of of mario posted on your page um my daughter will sometimes let me take her picture but she's almost 12 and she's starting to get weird about it and weird about like well you can take it but you can't show anyone and i'm like well it's not much fun where's the fun in that but you have a lot of pictures, like I was saying, of self-portraits. You also seem to have a lot of fun with uh, little wooden mannequin people. Yeah. How did that project? Um, again, that was that a lot of that. Um, uh, those guys are my testers for my pinhole cameras. So that's how they came into play. And then when I was doing them, I'm like, you know, I kind of like the way these images come out with the mannequins. It's kind of, you know, there's 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 no actual face, so no one can really associate me with it because I think, you know, <laughs> it's nice to have something different than it just being me. Um, and I just like the idea of just positioning them and just taking the photo to have it um, maybe, um, you know, give off something, an emotion from these mannequins where there's actually no faces on either of them. And um, I started to, I just, I don't know, I just like that. And I actually was working on a few, um, kind of making them as postcards. Um, I started that a while ago, but now I'm kind of back into it. So I might have like some co postcards that I might sell or try to put up as prints to sell. So I'll, I'll see about that. But I do love working with them. And, you know, doesn't matter what light is there, they can stand there for as long as I need them. <laughs> <laughs> they have the ultimate patience. <laughs> I could be watching TV and I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I I have a fascination. And ever since I was a like little kid, I've had fa a fascination with mannequins. They just seem, 
like us and not like us at the same time, you know? Um, but I, you know, I've, I'm looking at those images as well and they are really fascinating. Um, you put a lot of personality into those, you know, little wooden mannequins. And I, I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, they are cool. My daughter saw some at the store the other day in an art set and she was like, oh, look, it's one of those things. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I can't buy that because I can't copy everything I see everyone else do. <laughs> like to make my own, I guess. <laughs> I'll do a series oh, of copy <laughs> portraits. <laughs> but um, what other kinds of things like that have you focused on? Um, well, I was looking into getting into flowers and stuff, but I think it's just a little typical, I, at least for me. Um, but I do like to, to photograph something that has, a, you know, a face and not necessarily a face like yours or, uh, you, you know, yours and mine, but like, a, it just, there's just something that comes along with it. So, um, you know, if I'm out there and I'm shooting like water, for example, I mean, there's you get so much from just that photograph, right? Calmness, relaxation, mm -hmm. you know, uh, beauty, um, all these different things. So I just whatever I see as that, you know, or a subject that could bring something like that, that's what I will photograph. Very limited because um, I mean, you know, you can only go, you can only do so many things. You got to kind of focus on certain things to kind of build up some sort of a you know, I guess a mirage or, uh, you know, an atmosphere when you are shooting that particular subject. So, yeah, that's kind of really the mannequins um, are really my alternate thing that I will shoot in that kind of scenario. Um, yeah. That's so cool. what kind of lights are you using for, because um, I know you've posted before about it being really hot sitting in front of your light. Um, what kinds of Oh, that was I don't know if you're still using the same ones, but what oh, do you no. use? Oh, no, that was an experience. I mean, there were hot lights or uh, tungsten lights. And, um, you know, with tungsten lights, when they're on for a while, they start to get hot. Now, again, I'm working with a pinhole camera. So, you know, the further I have myself away from that pinhole camera, the further I got to put the lights because I don't want the lights to be in the frame. So knowing this... I have to have the camera pretty much about arm's length. The lights are right behind it. And as much as I could bring them forward, hoping that they don't get in that frame, they're pretty close to me. So in it, and I mean, you know, we're talking about like three minutes is good. I don't, it starts to get warm, but I'm okay. But when it goes past that three minutes, you, I mean, I would, I, I literally felt burns on my skin because oh, it's, wow. it's hot. <laughs> It gets really hot, but I'm a determined person. I guess I'm a sucker for punishment. I'm just I'll like, get I'm those birds. I'm not moving. I'm almost there. I got three minutes left. You know, that's uh, it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's so, funny. Yeah, do you have I, any? I changed that after it was like it was just too much. It was it was just too much. But that's what again. That's what I had. That's what I had, and that's what I used. And I just made the best of whatever I had at that time. And then when I said, okay, you know what, this is enough. I'm, this is crazy. You can't do it anymore. Um, then I got into um, actual constant lights. I mean, I don't even know what brand they are, but um, 
they're not the best lights that I bought, but they work, you know, they're lead, they're lead lights. I still prefer the tungsten because there is just a different look between the two when you're working with lead versus the tungsten. There's a warmth about it, right? Yes. And I love that, Mm. but it's just not doable anymore. No. (laughs) It's just not doable anymore, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. And, uh. LED lights don't burn you either. <laughs> no, they don't. They be on and you're good, you know. Yeah. But uh, there is a difference in the look. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um I I I do I guess I do have one more question. Um you do a lot of portraiture of, of various people and like the the ones that are behind you uh I'm only seeing so for for the listeners, uh Nicole's talked about some of these pictures. They're portraits of people that she's done in cyanotypes and they're just looking at them on on the Skype call, they're really awesome. Um, to me, they look vintage, like 1960s or 70s. They have a, that kind of a a look to them. I, but, I, to, I like to add textures to them, and I think that's probably what gives it that vintage feel. Okay. So I'll like maybe put like something against the light where it will re- reflect on the face, mm-hmm. and then it kind of gives that vintage feel when you turn it into that cyanotype. Nice. So that's what I was exploring a lot with, like textures and light and shadow, you know, and and putting things and seeing how it would look like. And um, yeah, that's what I was exploring with a lot at that that's, time. Yeah, that's cool. So what I was going to ask is you do a lot of portraiture. Um, do you have friends uh, in, you know, whether close to you or at least people that, that you know of in, in Montreal that are also film shooters, analog shooters, paper shooters? We could say non-digital shooters. Do you do you have a community up there? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, no, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm really am a sore thumb. Okay, to the the majority of people that for whatever they shoot, I'm really kind of off the scale. Like it's, um, I don't know how else to say it. It's not to be. I mean, I guess I'm just too different. Maybe. Oh. Um, I mean, there are things that I can go out and participate in. Yeah, but um, it's a very there's very click clicky kind of things and groups, and I just don't like to be around that. Yeah. Um. So, but aside from the things that I do, it's very very different from a lot of the people that are around that I do know that photograph. A lot mm-hmm. of them are street photography. Not to say that I can't go out there with them or they can come with me, but there's still like a little bit of a space between that. Yeah. Um, which is what I struggled with a little bit because I, you know, when I was doing my own little thing and I kind of in my own little world and just putting all these ideas out into practice, I thought that it would be an opening to a lot of others in the community, but it really wasn't. It really, I found I really kind of maybe even, maybe I separated myself even more than I expected because it's just so niche and different, you know? Um, A niche within a niche, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, I guess, you know, everybody has their own thing that they they prefer to do. Mm. Um, But I still was a little bit surprised. I thought there would be more of an opening to that. I mean, a lot of who does have openings are people that are not in the area around me. They're where you guys are. You guys, you know, for example, um, it could be Australia. Australia could be Germany, could be Sweden. But here, I don't know what it is. It just, there just seems to be a separation. So... As one of my best friends was telling me, like, you you know, that's why you should travel and that's why you should go out there because maybe here is not the place you should be investing your time in 
into welcoming people into what you want to do. Because I'm like that. I'm like, okay, everybody, let's get together. Let's try this thing. You're going to see. It's cool. It's it's fun. But, you know, when I had those opportunities and I gave myself those opportunities, I went to uh, certain places. I asked them if I would be able to have a night in their establishment to have like a pinhole portrait kind of free thing. And I think I uh, marketed it to death. Oh. And people did not show. Oh. And it was a very discouraging, it, like it was a very discouraging thing. And I, at one point I regretted doing that because when I didn't care what other, when I didn't care about actually bringing other people into this thing that I love so much to do, I was grounded and I was, you know, and then when I started to think, okay, let me include people outside of my circle, like the public, things just changed so drastically and it was like I it became that I had to do things to please the public but it wasn't making me happy because yeah. it was what and how I wanted to do it I'm not going to make you look like a model with a pinhole shot I'm not going to make you look 20 years younger with what I'm doing this is art this is you know it's something completely different and I think people don't see that it's it's you know it, it takes to, a certain yeah, but they have to experience it, but they won't even give them, give me that chance for them to to want to experience it. So there was a very time where I got discouraged and then I cut myself off and said, okay, well, forget that route. I won't go there anymore because mm-hmm. it just brought me down. Yeah. Um, you know, my friend says I'm too like naive, you know, but I'm like, you don't understand the feeling I get. It's not necessarily, you know, it, it, I didn't realize it's not necessarily the feeling that people would feel. And I thought they would because it was just so like, come on, you can't tell me you don't want to experience this, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally understood. Yeah. Um, you know, I have uh, some thoughts based on what you just said, and it's kind of like two sides of the same thing. And that's our modern, you know, online world. Uh, you said that, you know, for one thing, you don't have a whole lot of people there that share that same passion. And that's one of the the beauties about the online community that we have is that we can find people that do share those passions, like you just said about about us, and particularly Julie. Um, I mean, I'm including myself in that, but I haven't explored it as much as Julie has or as you have. Um, and but anyways, yeah, you can find you know those people that are really really interested in these ten- type of alternative processes or pinhole photography and even podcasts that are dedicated to it and YouTube channels and all that. Yeah. But the downside is that we, it, it, like you said, um, when, when people didn't show for what you were trying to, uh, to set up, it just felt downheart, you know, it, it, it was downheartening. I'm not sure I'm using the right word, but it made, made you feel downhearted. Yes. And that's what a lot of people seem to be saying about the like culture. Like we, if we don't get enough likes, we're not, we're just not satisfied. Whereas if we make the prints for ourselves, for our own art so that we can enjoy what we made, it's much more satisfying, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's just a weird balance, you know? Yeah. So on the one hand, it's really good because we can communicate with people all across the globe, but to keep it in balance where we're still doing this art mainly for ourselves. Yeah. It's it a, was something I had to learn, 
Yeah. You know, I had to learn that along the way because I just didn't understand why people didn't like it, why they yeah. didn't want it. <laughs> you know, come <laughs> on, this doesn't happen every day. Not everybody is doing this. How could, you know? And I, I had to kind of like, you know, bring myself down and really look at the whole picture and say, okay, you know, I got to accept the fact that, you know what, it is what it is, you yes. know, and it's not going to necessarily go where I want it to go um, yeah. at the time, you know, when I wanted to like push it out there and, you know, I had to accept it. And so, you know, it, it, it's just the way, just the way it turned out, unfortunately. Um, so I have a little, I have some scars, I think that'll never go away. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but you're I pushing it. I gotta keep going. <laughs> and you're pushing ahead with new, new projects. And I mean, the stuff that you've done, I, as I've looked through, um, you know, your pictures on Instagram, it's just like, oh man, that's, you're a good photographer, really good photographer. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs> so I hope you continue. Don't get to, don't get so downhearted that you, uh, you stop because. Thank you. <laughs> the analog community needs people like both of you who are so DIY, you know, just, just <laughs> DIY-ish, you know? Well, maybe it might, maybe it might turn out to be something good for us because, I mean, things are getting expensive. So maybe people <laughs> might start looking up to us, Julie, because, you know, they're going to say, well, hey, I don't have to buy the camera anymore. I can make it, you know, and uh, you never know, you know, so. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It is definitely hard when you do things a different way, like. I use, um, I really like little film canister cameras that I have. I call it my collective and I have a box of them and I've brought them places a few times and I don't do it anymore because I don't like people. It would be awesome if people genuinely wanted to know what, how it worked and see the results and were interested. But what seems to happen is people are like, what are you doing? And as soon as I try to explain, then they're like, oh, and they don't care, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, don't ask me then. Cause now, yeah. now I feel yeah. weird and awkward doing what I really want to do right now. Yeah. And, um, See, that's, so, that's exactly what happened to me. I started to have them dictate my own feelings about what I was doing and I had to cut it off. Mm -hmm. I had to cut it off. And you know, you know my funky cameras, I don't care anymore. I go out there, I don't care. People look at me like I'm crazy. What the hell is that woman carrying on her shoulders? <laughs> I don't care. I just do my own thing. And I come back with work that I'm happy about, I'm yeah. proud about. And you know, you, you have to cut that, that string off. Don't let those things, I, it took me a while to get there, but you have to cut that string. Don't let that dictate how you are going to go out and spend your day to say, I want to bring out these canisters and I want to do whatever I do with it. You know, that's what you have to stop doing. Well, <laughs> the thing is, when you when you get to that point where you can get past what, you know, being so concerned about what other people think, you're going to end up making better art because your heart and soul is going to be in it because you're you're making it for yourself. And then just by chance because your heart is in it, people will start noticing and think, wow, that's really awesome because your heart's in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's such a different perspective. And I, and, I, and, I, and I know now how it feels like from the point where I was just doing it for myself to when I tried to switch over. The, you're, you, like nothing is, you, you see nothing as a limitation mm -hmm. when you're just doing it for yourself. 
yeah. there's no reason why you should, you know, so, yeah. Exactly. Well, Julie, do you have any more questions? I have lots of questions for Nicole, but they're more um, about specifics of things that I'm working on and that I know she's working on. So probably not the best for this conversation because it would not not interest most people, I think. <laughs> I I don't I wouldn't say that. Um, Our nerdy maybe- talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that privately. It is I mean, I don't know where where I am anyways. And we went, you know, on a photo walk in New York and um I didn't I felt really awkward and didn't fit. Everybody was lovely, but it wasn't it wasn't the way I like to do things. I like to do things more by myself. I have determined people looking at me, I make a lot of mistakes with my cameras and I come back and I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have taken that shot because someone, you know, I felt pressured to perform and do it more quickly than what I can do. And I do, I like doing things more just yeah, by myself. And yes, yes. unless you, you know. find that person that understands and is the same way, because it, it, you know, you're right. You know, I like to take my time. I like to look at my scene. I like to look at the light. I like to just take my time. And when you're with a group and they're just all ready to, you know, mm. you know, it's, it's street photography. So, okay. And then they're ready to go to the next block. And it's like, I, it, I can't do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, I've kind of been in a solo uh, place for a very long time. I don't mind it, but it would be nice to have from time to time, maybe a group or a few people that are the same way and we do that, you know, but, you know, I'm not going to stop myself from, from doing it because I'm going to be doing it alone, you know, but um, it's always nice to have those, those people you can, you can run to or ask questions about or say, Hey, let's try this or even collaborate and do something together. But, you know, um, who knows that might change this year. Who knows? I don't know. You know, well, it's been great being able to talk with you on Instagram and get help. Like I was telling my mom, I'm like, no, there's this cool lady in, in <laughs> Montreal and she builds cameras too. And my mom was like, really? Cause I think <laughs> my parents are like very supportive of any type of art I've ever done. But when I walk over with a cardboard box and I'm like, you got to look in my camera. They're like, right okay I'll look in your box it's kind of the way my dad answered me I'll look in your box if you want you know my mom's like well it's really good you need to find more people who who want to do what you're doing so that you you know it's good to know you're not the only person who's trying to do something because you know we don't nobody likes to feel like a complete freak oh I should say nobody. There's probably people who do. But um, I know we also, I don't know if you can see behind me. Our listeners can't. I have a row of um, TLRs behind me. I know you like them. Yeah, I love them. They're my babies. So that's something we didn't talk about. You mentioned your favorite film is FP4. Yeah. And you're clearly not putting that into any of your DIY cameras. So maybe you want to say which cameras you're using. Uh, Yashica D or the Mamiya C330. Those are the two cameras that I, that are my babies. 
I love him to death. <laughs> I love him to death. And I, I love him to death that I bought backups because I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> if, if one goes, I want to be able to still continue using it, you know, because uh, I used to have, I, I do have a Hasselblad. And believe it or not, I don't like it. I don't like the camera. I I don't know. It, it, just, it just doesn't feel good in my hands. And um, I had bought it. And I think maybe a month or so after the shutter it just it just wouldn't close oh no and i was freaking out i'm like oh my god what am i gonna do what am i gonna do there was a gentleman who's now retired but there was a gentleman at the time who fixed it it cost me another 120 bucks yeah and i'm <laughs> saying to myself okay uh i put the hasselblad away i had my 35 still at that time and i had got the mamiya cc30 and i'm like well mamiya is my baby so if i ever get money backup is gonna I'm buying a backup and that's what I did so I have a backup for my backups for my backups <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I bought them back then because now the cameras are crazy crazy expensive it is crazy it's yeah. so crazy how it's expensive they're getting nuts but I advise to people in, instead of buying 50 different cameras buy a backup of your favorite camera mm -hmm. me buy that favorite camera as a backup because never know i mean it's becoming less and less of people that fix cameras yeah so i don't want to ship it all the way out to and wait five months to get it back either no. <laughs> you know what i'm saying but exactly yeah. i saw just last night I, on uh, facebook i follow um i think it's a M minolta camera collectors or something like that I, it's, you know all the various groups on facebook and <laughs> somebody posted their i think it was like 12 or 15 srt uh cameras and then somebody else posted a comment where they showed all of their srts and it was well over a hundred srts on a table i'm like oh man as someone who loves srts i was like wow <laughs> now now whoa like he's 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 good for life. You know I know, I, mean? I know. <laughs> uh, wow. Something else, something else. But yeah, I think I think now is the smart thing to do <laughs> if you can buy, you know, buy your favorite and buy it as a backup. You know, yeah. what I mean? nothing wrong if you want to buy a whole bunch of different ones, but it's getting pricey. So it is. make it count. You know, make it count. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Or look for the deals. Yeah, <laughs> I still find I still find deals now and then um, for like box lots. That's how I got um, my Yashika C. I saw a box lot and I could see in the corner that there was a TLR and I was like, I want that one. <laughs> Just the one. Yeah, and it was thirty dollars, right? I paid thirty dollars for the box and there was no ten over cameras. ten. I think there was over ten cameras in there. Uh, we sold some of them. No way. And so yeah. I got this thirty bucks. I was like three dollars, and I yeah. did have to eventually take it for a repair. So now it's like one hundred twenty-three dollars yeah, or something. That's, but that's still a yeah. steal. And it's know. set for. I don't want to say set for life, but it's been CLA. But you got a, a good what ten years easy on that thing. I yeah, mean, yeah. Using it like it's always, you know. So yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I use that one probably more than. My other, at least, definitely more than my other small ones. But my speed graphics are. My babies. 
<laughs> oh, I have two of them behind me. I'm like, are they there? Yep, they're still there. Uh, well, Nicole, thank you so much for uh, joining with us. And it's been a fascinating conversation. It really, yes, really thank has. Thank you so much, too. I love, love, love having these kind of interviews. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Me too, yeah. me too. It's reassuring. And, <laughs> it's reassuring. Well, it is for us as well. <laughs> um, now, before we go, I, you know, want to get everybody's social. So we'll start with you, Nicole. Where can we? Where can people find your work? Um, I'm on YouTube as Nicole Small One on One. That's where you can find me there. And also uh, Instagram, the same key handle, Nicole Small One on One. I do have a blog. It's called, um, well, I mean, you know, you could put Nicole Small Journal Entries, okay. and I have a blog there as well. Um, so those are the three main places that I can be found. Okay. Sounds great. Julie, where can people find your work? Uh, on Instagram, I'm JP's shoebox walk. Sounds great. And I'll say what Suzanne's is since she's part of our podcast, you can find her work at b.roll.backup. And she has a link tree there where you can see all of her other places. You can find her work and you can find my work on uh, Flickr. That's my favorite place, uh, Mario Piper, as well as on Instagram, Mario Piper. And uh, we also have our Gen X Photog Pod uh, Instagram site. Um, you can also, if anyone is listening, uh, you can join our Facebook group. It's the Gen, and it'll be Gen-X, so Gen X Photography Podcast Facebook group. And the only thing that we um, want is for everybody to be respectful of each other and for it to be family friendly, because we do have some kids looking on it as well. Um, and I wanted to make one quick announcement, too. Um, and I'm going to put this on the Facebook group as well. But I want to do a particular uh, podcast here coming up where we talk about cheap cameras and cheap lenses because I have a certain love of a certain brand and I'm not going to get into it right now because that'll be for that podcast or that episode. But anybody who wants to send in a, um, a voice memo of their favorite cheap budget camera. And I guess I'll say if you got a Leica for $10, you can count that as budget, but in the spirit of budget, you know, the originally budget cameras, third party lenses, what are your favorites? And if you want to send in a voice memo or email me, um, my email, well, I'm not going to give me a personal email. It's too long. But the uh, email for the podcast is the is genxphotogpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> I think it is. Yes. Genxphotogpod at gmail.com. So send those uh, voice memos in, or if you want to just type it out and I'll read it, that'd be great. Um, and I'll make sure to put that on the Gen X Photography Pod Facebook page as well. So again, what if what if your favorite lens is a magnifying glass or, <laughs> that's or totally a pinhole? Fine. Does that work too? <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Okay. Whatever. Just check like in. I, like I said, if it's a like you got for ten dollars, well, it qualifies, but. We're looking for especially the, the budget varieties and third-party stuff. So whatever whatever floats your boat. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Nicole, again, thank you so much for being thank with us you. on this 50th episode. Yeah. And the sixth <laughs> Canadian on the podcast. <laughs> um, so... 
to all you dear listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And as always, keep those analog vibes alive. <laughs>